Right, time to do another uh, Creator Room podcast, and we're joined now by uh, Marta Minier, uh, who uh, is uh, a colleague of mine at the University of South Wales, just a very well-travelled uh, person, just come back from Portugal and recently been in Bologna and all kinds of places. Um, uh, her nationality we'll come on to in a minute, because that's uh, also quite interesting to talk about. But thanks, Marta, very much for, jo- for joining us. Thank you, Steve. What you, if somebody asked you if you were at a party or whatever, and they said, well, Marta, you know, what do you do then? What do I do? Well, I think I'm, I'm primarily an educator, really, uh, an academic, really. So I would probably say I work at the University of South Wales. I'm currently an associate professor of theatre and, uh, and media drama. And I think that kind of very much defines me professionally speaking. So I've always wanted to teach. That's something very, very interesting. Hmm. Uh, when I was as young as three or four and uh, I was in education, I always wanted to teach. Wow. And uh, my daughter just asked me about this the other day, really, how, hmm. how come you, you, became, you became a lecturer? And I said, well, look, I always really wanted to teach. And I always wanted to teach at the level where I was studying at the time. So when I was in nursery, I wanted to be a nursery teacher Mm. and then primary teacher and secondary. And then you reach university and you can't really go any any further than that. So I I kind of stuck as a as a university lecturer. But I always wanted to do that. And thankfully, thankfully, uh, I am able to do that. So I wouldn't say living your dream, but it's the domain into which you've kind of naturally always felt that you want you wanted to be. Yes, nice. yeah. yes, that 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 is very true. Hmm. Uh, I suppose uh, family background contributed somewhat uh, because my my mother is a teacher and she she is a fantastic teacher. Hmm. Uh, when I was younger, already when I was about five or six, at times when school finished for me, but she was still teaching evening classes under uh, socialist uh, dictatorship, really uh, in Romania. At times I accompanied her to the evening classes and I just sat at the back wow. and admired her teaching. So I'm sure that kind of contributed. I, I would still go and see her classes if I could. I rarely get the opportunity mm. now. I haven't mm. been for years, really. My my daughter goes now at times, <laughs> really, to, to see grandma's uh, classes. That's great. Uh, that, I- that is lovely. That, mm. I- that is lovely. So I'm sure that made a contribution. Also, my one of my grandmas was, was a teacher. I never saw her in action really but I think you know her kind of teacherly spirit probably uh, mm-hmm. got passed on somehow well, so yes so a couple of things spring to mind there firstly so you, you grew up in Romania a particular part of Romania with a particular kind of a place where there were several languages going on and quite an interesting kind of history really that is right that is right uh, I am a Transylvanian Hungarian really so I was born well in in the late 1970s uh, in Romania in a little town uh, in County Hargita uh, which was at that point uh, well predominantly Hungarian speaking so um, what, what what is important to know I suppose about that context and I'm, I'm no historian so I'll just I'll just keep this extremely mm. extremely short and extremely basic but there 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 has been um, kind of a culturally and linguistically thriving Hungarian ethnic community in Romania uh, really since 
Transylvania, Katatás to, to Romania, following the, the peace, uh, peace treaties at, at Versailles, Trianon uh, Treaty after the, after the First World War. So since around that time, uh, almost continuously, but not, mm. not quite, Transylvania belonged to Romania. But Transylvania is a multilingual place. Uh, it really is a, is a cultural and linguistic hub. It has been. And when I was a child, uh, there, there certainly was a really, really thriving Hungarian community there for whom Hungarian was native language. Really, mm-hmm. Romanian was a second language that you mostly learned at school because generally nobody else around you spoke it. Wow. Really. Okay. So it was it was an interesting scenario. Mm. I properly started uh, learning Romanian, which was the official state language, only only in school. I mean, the odd word in nursery school, but then then in primary school, really. And even even then, I was in a I was in a Hungarian class, mm. so I only learned Romanian in a language teachers, lesson. Teachers would have been naturally speaking Hungarian as well. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. and all the subjects mm. were taught yeah. in Hungarian, mm. except when I was around nine, uh, they they brought in new regulations that uh, the geography of the country and the history of the country had to be taught in Romanian. Obviously, there, there were kind of ideological reasons yeah, 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 to yeah. go with that, yeah. really, to to kind of weaken uh, minority identities mm. and so forth. Uh, so at that point, we suddenly had to learn subjects in in Romanian where when we when we didn't have a fluent Romanian at all you know wow. if I had gone to the yeah. uh, to the shop and there had been a, a Romanian uh, vendor there I wouldn't have known what to say really because it was quite a literary mm-hmm. Romanian that we were that we were learning in wow. in school not a conversational yeah. Romanian my conversational Romanian is still not very good at this stage well I don't I have say, any so. my <laughs> <laughs> but I I, yeah. I I enjoy engaging with with Romanian and I think my comprehensive skills are much better than you know my productive productive skills uh, but it, it's still a bit literary by Romanian but there we are so yes uh, yeah, very, I'm, very I'm a Hungarian from that part of, yeah. the, of, uh, hmm. uh, of the country and when I was 12 my family moved to, to Hungary uh, really so yeah, for for us it was kind of go, going to back, like back going to home. the mother country yeah, exactly, yeah. Mm-hmm. exactly, really. So yes, I have kind of um, a double heritage in in that respect. Transylvania. How many languages Hungarian. do you speak these days? Not many at all. Not many at all. Well, three, Flu- isn't it? Well, so far, at least. Uh, well, fluently, fluently mm. only, mm. Uh, mm. only English and Hungarian. Mm. I learned a, a little bit of Italian, a little bit of French, obviously quite a bit of Romanian. Um, mm. But I, I don't really speak any of these, uh, mm. any of these fluently. I spent uh, four years studying Latin as well in secondary school, and I really liked it. It helps me a lot with, you know just cultural history, making sense of texts uh, and and connections between languages and so on and so forth. But it's not a language that you <laughs> that you converse in. But you, really. but you have a fascination so, with languages. It, it, I do. It, 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 it's fair to say. And you've just come back. You've, you've got uh, some literature brought in today. You've just been to an event where you were talking about linguistic issues and, of course, literature, etc. So tell us a bit about that. 
Yes, I, I have just been back uh, actually from from two two fantastic events. Uh, one of them was uh, was in uh, in Bologna. It was the Children's Book Fair uh, in Bologna, which goes back to the to the 1960s, and mm-hmm. it's an it's an annual book fair, essentially for professionals that deal with children's books in one capacity or another. So it's for publishers, authors, illustrators, translators. Uh, Teachers, um, what you librarians, about, you what, name you, it. You all get together. I, I didn't. I, di- I didn't have a, an official spiel mm. to deliver, yeah. so to speak. <laughs> so I, w- I was there uh, representing the George Ewart Evans Center for Storytelling, one of mm. our uh, research centers uh, mm. here. Uh, the the storytelling center uh, obviously has has kind of quite a quite a complex range of uh, activities, but uh, one of, one of our activities uh, is uh, engaging with with children stories, children's literature, and we are a nominating body for an international children's uh, literature award, which is uh, the Astrid Lindgren Memorial Award, uh, mm-hmm. the ALMA uh, mm-hmm. annual prize. Mm-hmm. And it's quite an honor to be a nominating body for uh, for that award. We are the only Welsh, uh, the only Wales-based uh, nominating uh, organization for that. And we take, we take it quite seriously. We can nominate up to four people each year and we mm-hmm. have been doing this for several uh, several years now so I have been representing George Ewart Evans the research center there essentially uh, I didn't have to deliver a talk or do anything like that just but enjoy simply the event. network yeah, network yeah. learn um, mm. ma- make connections and uh, obviously be there for the awards award ceremony itself mm. nice. uh, and it's nice for you to represent Wales as well you know absolutely absolutely Absolutely, uh, th- that that was certain, certainly an honour, yeah. and I uh, made sure that uh, that I briefly at least chatted because they they had quite a quite a busy schedule, but there were some uh, Welsh publishers uh, oh, good. Yeah. around Welsh language uh, so, as well. Uh, well, maybe not. I I don't think they showcased that many of the Welsh mm. language books simply because mm. well they they, they obviously okay. had yeah. had more chance of. Uh, of getting people interested in rights for for English language uh, hmm. language books, and also then recently you also went to Portugal, and on the way to Portugal, I understand you listened to an edition of the Creation Podcast, and you surprise. Yes, that was a lovely surprise <laughs> because <laughs> I was at Birmingham hmm. Airport, and hmm. I thought I had a little bit of time to uh, get myself ready in spirit for our hmm. for our Creation Podcast today, and I started listening to a recent one, <laughs> and I I didn't know at all that it was actually as it happens by a, by a Portuguese uh, guest so yes. that was uh, that was a lovely lovely coincidence did you know uh, that student I, at I all really, I was just thinking I was just thinking whether I knew the student Fantastic I, I think student. I did I, yeah. I, I, I amazing think, student I think I, I came across him absolutely so yes th- that was certainly a pleasure and also it prepared me for the visit to uh, to Portugal you you were talking we're, we're looking at children's books now and you were telling me that uh, recently as well you kind of semi relived your childhood by meeting up with people from secondary school you hadn't seen for a long time tell us a little bit about that oh that is right that is right indeed so I had a I had 
had a class reunion uh, recently in Hungary just a few weeks ago, just uh, just around uh, Easter time. Mm. Uh, How were you invited? How did you know about this uh, thing? Well, it's, it's it's interesting because I, I'm not a, I'm not on Facebook. I'm no. not uh, mm. not a big uh, social media person. I've always mm. avoided Facebook. I'm on Twitter now, but uh, of course, my former classmates are mostly not on uh, not on Twitter. Mm. Uh, so a close friend uh, with whom uh, I have kept in touch over the years, she she told me um, about it. So I was kind of involved, but uh, well, I wasn't involved in all the all the nitty gritty. I just got the more important bits of news, not uh, how many kilos yeah. of, uh, of potatoes to buy, which was all discussed on Facebook. So I escaped, uh, I escaped all that. Mm. However, however, it was it was lovely, lovely to see where, the, where the, ladies, uh, the ladies again. Uh, it took place in a tiny village mm. uh, in a tiny, well, actually mountain, uh, mountain uh, village uh, around the uh, around the Matra. Uh, in uh, in Hungary, where our former class teacher is kind of running, um, well, a, b- a bit of a community house, but also local history museum. It's a very very interesting uh, project that she's doing there. It's mm. kind of a, kind of a charity, I suppose we would call it here. Um, it's from all sorts of you know funds uh, that she applies for, and uh, mm. people can can go there and have a have a weekend immersed in local culture really so, so we went to see her in, yeah, her, yeah. in her kind of new base how great really. is that though that, that is wonderful that is wonderful exactly exactly that that is wonderful and and to see the class mm. we were a we were an all girl class mm. uh, from a from a very strict uh, boarding school uh, an all girl school wasn't it? an all girl yeah. school yeah. indeed yeah. indeed mm. and it it was lovely to uh, to see them again mm. and obviously our very very inspirational class teacher um, really who, who was our literature history and art history wow. teacher what was there i wonder what your teacher's perception was um to meet you again and you know t- to find out now you're you know associate professor and did the teacher know this well to be honest i i still don't know really because the the funny thing was i was the i was the second person to speak from the from the class where mm. we where we sat together and all gave a bit of an account of our lives and she missed most of mine really so i'm not sure how much she actually knows about it but i yeah. think she i think she does really because mm. she obviously from other bits of the conversation uh, it was a long weekend that we spent together uh, so she she probably has gathered. Uh, I don't think she would be surprised because she always thought I would you know I would be quite a scholarly person, but also I would remain in in education yeah. and 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 I would do research and all that. So she 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 would not be surprised in the very in the very slightest. And uh, also we were bringing back all sorts of all sorts of uh, school memories. We we did a quiz about who remembers what yeah. pictures yeah. and uh, quotes. From quotes who said what in what context yeah. and uh, obviously I was always in quite a pastoral role in the class and I think my teacher again could see that you know I, I remember all that I'm probably still in in 
education and mm. and of, of of course I am. Talking about education, we record the uh, Creatium podcast at the University of South Wales at the Atrium, hence the name, and it is the Faculty of Creative Industries, which is the other part of the name. And just behind you at the moment, I'm looking and there's a big banner for a Cardiff City phone in with its, a sponsor going out with three FM radio stations across South Wales on their websites as well, no doubt. And also there's a camera behind us, a Facebook live stream, Cardiff City phone in, Cardiff City just come out the premiership. But when I walk around this building, it seems to me as if this is like a, a total mystery to most people in this building. This this thing called radio, this thing called sound, this thing which which doesn't have pictures, which thing which comes out of people's minds, it, it's not seen. Therefore, it's 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 even more than invisible. What's your kind of um, with your interest in drama and, and writing and theatre, etc.? What's your kind of uh, take on the creative potential of non-visual content and, and sound, etc.? Well, I I think that's a really really important uh, subject, and I I am passionate about audio. I I certainly always uh, always have been. I think since uh, since early childhood, uh, radio has meant a lot. Uh, mm. to me uh, especially as I said I was part oh, you said of the soap of, operas didn't you exactly yeah. tell me a bit about exactly. that exactly uh, so as as I was part of an ethnic uh, minority community uh, mm. in Transylvania um, catching some Hungarian radio was was really really precious mm. reception wasn't always great and we, we we couldn't you know always listen to as much as we would have liked but there was a soap on on Hungarian radio at the time, which which ran for decades really, and it, it was something that my my grandmother really loved, and it, it was her who who introduced me to, well, it was called uh, a Sabo Chalad, which is the Sabo family, and okay. you you can kind of yeah. imagine yeah. So, socialist era Hungary uh, unfolding uh, mm. really uh, in in this uh, in this uh, imaginary family saga uh, on on the radio. I'm must say I love that it just opens worlds and and you know that you know that particular radio program if if nothing else connects you to the to the mother country which is yes. which is across the border but yes. you don't get permission very easily to go across the border because no, no, no. you know passports are not quite automatic yeah. uh, and so forth at that time we have to apply for a passport and you would either get really? it or you uh, wouldn't okay. get it yeah you would only get it for one particular visit mm. and for one or two particular countries it's not like you, know, mm. you could go you could go wherever so it was something really, really precious. Also about well, ju- just just simply the the power of story weaving and storytelling and mm. how you identify characters and so yes. on and so forth. It, it it was a wonderful thing to um, to listen to, uh, really. But, but also other things that kind of very much contributed to to the strong Hungarian identity as a, as a child that works through through radio i mean even even the charts really that you would get from hungary and yes, you yes. would then yeah. kind of listen to yeah. listen to the to the pop charts but mm. it's it's interesting my i i just i just put on uh, some some music from the nine uh, from the 80s to my uh, to my daughter recently yes. and she she immediately took to it All very, right. very very interestingly so yeah, yeah at, at, at at times these things can be passed on as mm. as my grandmother passed Hungarian on the Yes, yeah, yes, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. And she asked for hmm. for more, really, yeah. more and more and more frequently, nice. which which is nice, which is nice. Uh, ra- radio can can certainly uh, do do a lot uh, in terms of connecting people. Obviously, you you can listen 
into it in in all sorts of life circumstances when mm. uh, it's non-intrusive when, exactly isn't it? yeah. exactly I, th- I think it's something really 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 precious even in a very visually oriented cultural mm. setting the one we live in I, I think it's crucial yeah you made some quite profound points there really about a c- cultural identity etc as well which is obviously something which which is a, another another benefit virtually taking you into that that space you know which is it's something that non-visual content can do very briefly i think it was uh, in the philippines or the philippines or malaysia um philippines i think i got this fantastic clip that i'll send you where which is uh, based on a soap opera being produced in the philippines and it shows these old-fashioned kind of uh, wireless sets you know outside shops and in people's homes and then they're listening to this drama series or so this soap opera and then it takes you to the studio and it shows the people put on the stupid voices and the way they're making the sounds and everything else you know it's kind of a, a fascinating territory but of course you, you're very much interested in drama and performance and i know a colleague of yours who was a colleague of mine um richard hand professor richard hand a fantastic asset to which you know he's a nourish now what an amazing guy and did incredible things with with drama and encouraging students to populate that creative space through sound and, and speech and i know you, you you're still liaising with richard absolutely richard has been a great uh, influence in, in my career as well when i when i first came here uh, I came over as a research assistant working on the Journal of Adaptation in oh, Film yeah. and uh, Performance, mm. which uh, Richard established with uh, with Katja Krebs. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, yes, both, yes. both of them are working at uh, yeah. at different uh, different universities now. now. Think, That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. So I started uh, started there, and I was always very much inspired by. Uh, well, very by inspirational Richard's person. Really, really yeah. rich range yeah. of uh, range of interests, and yeah. and and just just generally high level of expertise across. I would say the very broad media and performance spectrum. Yes, uh, yes. Really. So. Yes, my 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 interest in uh, in radio drama certainly has has increased since uh, since meeting Richard, and I think I was there in the audience for for many of his uh, yes. live recorded audio dramas, uh, as well as obviously did bits of teaching. Um, with him uh, and contributed a little bit of Hungarian, although I shouldn't <laughs> shouldn't uh, really reveal yeah. this to one of one of uh, one yeah. of the recordings uh, they did. Yeah. Uh, that must have been the Frankenstein adaptation, oh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think. Yeah. So yes, uh, that that cert- certainly has been a great influence on me as well. And also, as I convene a module, uh, which is a theatre festival module for the second years. I think more and more of the possibility of perhaps either having a year when we do some of the work as audio performance or fantastic exactly exactly Mm. i think it would be really really great for the students Mm. as well just to open up those creative avenues yes uh, absolutely but also possibly to have one edition one annual edition of the festival which is entirely audio really that all plays would be would be produced exclusively in an audio format i think it might be nice to uh, to Mm. do that actually and Actually, one, one more thing I have done. Uh, again, Richard's Richard's influence uh, is very much in the background. I ran a module one year, an optional module, which was called Animation and Audio Books. 
And in, in that module, uh, obviously, the, the main perspective was kind of media performance in a way, really, so mm -hmm. not stage, uh, not stage performance, but using similar skills and either adapting something for animation, either on the level of story mm -hmm. um, retelling or audio performance for animation or in the audiobooks uh, strand of the module, they could narrate a story in, a, in an audio uh, in an audio format and it was extremely popular we had we had some great projects we had um, really really interesting ideas uh, from students you know from Royal Dahl up to well, all sorts. that's the beauty of something like that sometimes in any university never mind what university it is when when, when they're given when students are given a brief that brief can be quite restricting creatively but sometimes if you if you have the bravery to give students creative uh, identity and, and full reign of what they can do with something, then what they're capable of can be absolutely unbelievable, you know? I don't think it happens enough. I agree with that. I agree with that. I think we, we obviously live in an era when I think students often like very, very specific yes, briefs. Yeah, it does work both really. ways, yes. It, 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 it does. Mm, but yeah. when a brief is... Mm is a bit more open and mm. a bit more negotiable in terms of the creative avenues yeah. that uh, that students can take in in terms of completing a task mm. I, I think that is helpful because at the end of the day we are developing these creative yeah, individuals yeah. and they are all individuals we are creating yes obviously we are building a community here while while they are with us but at the same time we are also developing them as as individual creative yes. artists really they have different gifts different aspirations and so forth mm. and that's again another connection back to my class reunion possibly that you know one of the mottos of my secondary school was mm. uh, it's a community educating a community so a community of teachers oh, I love that. a community of educators is educating a community I, of I students I love and that. it stayed with me mm. Steve it really has mm. stayed with me and mm. when I had my class reunion recently I was just thinking you know what it keeps me going yeah yeah it keeps me going that I was educated as a community by a community and that's the way I think now that that's actually very close to my my interpretation of um, in a very different way but my interpretation of the community radio network in Wales because I, I worked in a thing called the Wales community radio network to my mind and when you when you you say that it makes complete sense but it's not something you think about in that way the same with this i see the community radio stations of wales as a community themselves there's a community of community radio stations serving their communities you know the word community is so kind of pivotal really to what we do i think at any university or should be I agree. Yeah. I agree absolutely. I think it's 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 a keyword for for our era as well in in many ways, and I, mm. I think it it does appear among Raymond Williams's keywords if I remember yes, well. Yes, I'm, yes, I'm, I'm not that does, extremely yes. yeah. uh, fresh. I, on, I think I uh, quoted my, it myself yeah. <laughs> on my Williams, but yeah. I think it, it is a keyword for our era, mm -hmm. especially when right now. politics around us, mm -hmm. the whole kind of mm. capitalist infrastructure around us. Mm is working by the divide and rule 
principle mm -hmm. really and i think there's got to be that sort of counter action which is about community which is, which is about belonging and and mm -hmm. different communities different intersecting communities different overlapping communities that we all belong to some of them are geographically based some of them are based on our generational belonging mm -hmm. uh, or interest groups or or indeed nationality or, mm -hmm. or ethnic uh, identity uh, and so on and so forth we all belong to a to a range of communities and kind of a range of interrelated communities but i i i think it is very much a keyword and it's possibly the the only way to kind of tackle that sort of structure yeah. that's that's around us yes. uh, in 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 many ways well i think that would be a really good place to end this because i think what, what we've done in this podcast in a very informal way by kind of looking back at your early days including talking about how you recently returned to revisit some of those things and you said about the connections with the teacher and that kind of ethos that runs through you you know when you were talking about the community kind of thing and where you grew up and the kind of identity of that place and everything else all leads back to this idea of coming together as a community to try and fix things rather than tear them apart or am i putting words in your mouth no 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 not <laughs> at all and I, i'm i'm very grateful hmm. for for your question steve hmm. and for the for the opportunity uh, to, to be honest i didn't know how to prepare for this today but it's been it's been such a pleasure uh it's been great to, to talk you, to you really and we just kind of di dipped into a number of areas but somehow they all they yeah, all connect it kind of comes together uh, doesn't it to each other really and it, it was just a nice opportunity to to talk about well i suppose who i am in the yeah, world exactly really, and what i'm what i'm I'm doing and, and where I'm heading and exactly and that's kind of to, to, to a large extent what the creatorium does and like you said with uh, um, with Jose the, the Portuguese student 20 I mean he, he's a student he's just about to graduate you know it, can this whole uh, academic thing is also a community University of South Wales has got you know very international kind of um, uh, identity these days and for me because I've worked with you for a number of years, but I'm talking to you and I talk to other colleagues during the creatorium. I find out so much about you because I my whole, one of the reasons for doing this is I think this building and this university has so many really interesting, fascinating people in it. And we don't know enough about each other. We don't collaborate enough with each other. And we don't identify the ways in which we interpret creativity enough. So thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs>